Johnny Dollar. Johnny, this uh, this is Ray Connolly. Oh, yeah, over at Continental Insurance Company. That's right, yeah. Oh, what's the problem, Ray? Problem? No problem at all, actually. Oh? Uh, are you uh, busy tonight, Johnny? No, no plans at all. Well, you see, my wife's out of town for a few days, and Johnny... Well, I wonder if you'd have dinner with me tonight. Can you do that? Why, sure, why not? Good, good. Just name the time and place, and I'll meet you there. Well, I happen to have a nice, thick fillet of prime beef in my refrigerator at home. And if you like steak... Sure do. Well, why don't you run over to my place at, say, 6, 6.30? I'll pour you a couple of cocktails, and we'll tackle that steak. Okay, Johnny? Ray. Yeah? You're sure there isn't something that's bothering you? Uh, 6.30, Johnny? Yeah, okay, but now listen... Good, good. I'll see you then. Well, why don't you... Hmm... Bob Bailey in the exciting adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. And now, act one of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Continental Insurance Company Home Office, Hartford, Connecticut. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the fatal fillet matter. There was something very funny about Ray Connolly's sudden invitation to have dinner with him, much less cocktails. I'd been at his office far too many times, had seen the bottles of pills that he kept in his desk, watched his secretary bring him a glass of milk at precisely 10.30 a.m., at exactly 3.15 p.m., had listened to the dull details of his ulcer-free diet more times than I can remember. So when Ray said cocktails... Ah, come on now, Dollar, stop trying to build up a case out of nothing. And yet, for reasons that will be made clear later in this report, everything goes on expense account. Item one, a dollar forty for a cab to Ray's apartment. It was 6.30 on the nose when I pushed the doorbell. Oh, and I decided that if he did have something bothering him... I'd let him get around to it in his own sweet time. I wished later that I hadn't. Johnny. Johnny, I'm glad to see you. Come in, come in. Yeah, how are you, Ray? Well, you know how it is. Huh? Those ulcers been kicking up on you again? Yeah, a little. Sit down, Johnny, sit down. Ah, sure, thanks. Now, what would you like, uh, martini, Manhattan? Uh, got a plain old scotch and soda lying around? I certainly have. Have it for you in a second. Never touch it myself anymore, of course. You mean you're not drinking with me? Maybe I'll have a glass of milk and... Let's see. Yeah. Time for me to take one of my pills. There you are, Johnny. Hmm, thanks. But did it ever occur to you, Ray, that if you'd stop worrying so much about that gut of yours, you might not have so much trouble with it? Johnny, it's easy to see you never had an ulcer. No, sir, and I don't ever intend to. Well, if you were in my end of the business, there's something just happened that I want to tell you about. Oh? Yeah, later. Incidentally, the steak we're having is the most beautiful thing you ever saw. Well, come on, I'll show it to you while I get a glass of milk. Okay. I uh, guess my wife ordered some groceries sent over from Morris Bain's market before she left. I told you she's away. Yes, she did. Yeah, left yesterday. Well, this steak was delivered last night, along with some other things. Eh, how about that? 
Mm. Yeah, looks like you could cut that with a fork. Prime beef. Excuse me, I'll get my glass of milk. Sure. Hey, how do you like your steak, by the way? Only one way, blood rare. Well, of course, I'll have to have mine rather well done. I'll just cut the fillet in half and it'll be no problem at all. Ray, what about this thing that happened in the office you were going to tell me about? Later, Johnny. Later. Again, looking back, I wished that I'd pressed the point, but I didn't. Instead, I had another drink, watched him sip his glass of milk, listened to him complain some more about his pet ulcer, and then finally we sat down to dinner. There we are. Isn't that the most beautiful steak you ever saw? Oh, no. Huh? Ray, didn't you hear me? What? Oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, dear. I'm, I, I'm terribly embarrassed. Well, brother, you ought to be. That looks like a piece of shoe leather. Oh, and you said blood rare, and I forgot all about oh, it. Oh, Ray, you are a dog. You, you're sure you can't eat it this way? <laughs> I'd rather chew up an old boot. Hey, listen, now, something's bugging you. Now, what is it? No, nothing, Johnny. Look, uh, I'll go out and buy another one for you, huh? And let yours sit here and get cold? No, no. Oh, Johnny, I'm terribly sorry. That's okay. Go ahead, Ray. Tear into it. I'll go out in the kitchen and see if I can find the makings of a sandwich. I could have killed him overcooking a perfectly good steak that way. But instead, I made myself a sandwich and stuck around. Because I knew that sooner or later, he'd tell me his real purpose in having me come over. And later he did. At least he started to. We had washed the dishes, then gone back into the living room. I had settled now with a third cup of coffee and a cigarette, and he was sipping in another glass of milk. It's just that I don't like being threatened, Johnny. Threatened? Heaven knows I have enough trouble keeping this ulcer under control with just the daily run of problems I have to face at the office. Oh, what do you mean by you know, You know, people demanding more from their insurance than they deserve. People filing claims when they aren't entitled to any insurance at all, and then trying to... Oh! What? Uh, Nothing, Johnny. I just... I'll be all right. You forget to take one of your pills, right? No, but maybe I better take another. Oh, yes, me. You're taking too many of them. But uh, what was this talk about being threatened? Well, Johnny, this fellow by the name of... Oh, oh no. Ray. Johnny! Ray, what's the matter? This pain in my stomach. It's killing me. Easy now. Oh. Here. Let me get you on the sofa. Oh, medicine, quick, please. There you are. Now, what medicine? Anything, anything to stop this, Johnny. Oh. I grabbed the telephone and called Dr. Ramsey. But because of a traffic tie, it was nearly half an hour before he got there. Meantime, Ray lay on the sofa getting paler and paler until he was white as a sheet. The doctor, completely familiar with Ray's ulcer problem, did what he could. But after 40, 45 minutes, realized things were getting beyond his control, so he called an ambulance. Another half hour. And yeah, by the time they got him to the hospital, in spite of injections and oxygen along the way, Ray Connolly was dead. Act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment. Tibet in the news. Who's an expert on Tibetan affairs? Who was the personal guest of the Dalai Lama in happier times at the top of the world? Why, Lowell Thomas, of course. Ask us another part of the world, and there's every chance the answer again would be Lowell Thomas. The roving raconteur has been just about everywhere, seen just about everything. So when a story breaks, 
he has that extra edge of intimate first-hand experience to give extra dimension to his reporting. One of the most colorful men in the industry, one of the most striking different sounds on the CBS radio network is Lowell Thomas, heard every Monday through Friday evening with his fascinating reporting. Only a network could bring you a Lowell Thomas. Only the CBS radio network does. Remember the keen mind and formidable experience of this noted world traveler, lecturer, raconteur, and CBS newsman is an exclusive with the affiliated stations of CBS Radio. Monday through Friday evenings, don't miss Lowell Thomas. And now, act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar and the Fatal Filet Matter. I knew that Connolly's ulcer condition was serious. I've been treating him for a couple of years, but I certainly never believed this could happen. What it means is that he bled to death. Is that it, Doctor? Yes, internal hemorrhage. But of such such intensity, I, I, I don't understand it. And yet, well, let's face it, Dollar, this sort of thing has happened before. Has happened before? Yes. Doctor, you may be right about that. Well, of course I am. But not in the way you think. I went back to Ray's apartment, let myself in with a key I'd filched out of his pocket, then went over every inch of the place. And I came up with nothing. Nothing, that is, until I went into the kitchen. There I saw for the second time the bag of groceries that his wife had had delivered from Bain's Market, from which Ray had taken only one thing, so far as I knew. The steak he'd eaten that night. Yeah, and he had eaten every bit of it. I dumped them out on the table, made a list of them. Then I noticed something else on the table. It was a cheap gold-plated cufflink with the initials XD on it. Hmm. Early the next morning, I talked with Morris Bain, proprietor of the food market. Insurance investigator? That's right, Mr. Bain. No, Joe, just call me Morris. That's what my customers do. Okay, Morris. Well? Well, of course. I'll be glad to cooperate, Mr. Dollar, every which way I possibly can. Good. Now, all I want to know... The shelf on the left, Julius, right over the salad dressing. I gotta keep... Canned snails I got to keep for some of my special customers. But how people can eat those, I don't know. Oh, good morning, Mrs. Beckham. It's a lovely morning, isn't it? Now, Morris. <laughs> oh, yeah, you wanted information. Eh? Yes. Oh, Mrs. Van der Sloot. How are you, huh? How's your nice little doggy this fight? No, 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 no. No, get him out of here before he's out. No, get outside. Out, out. Oh, what's your problem with dogs in the store? Yeah, I'm sure. But now, do you have a customer by the name of Connolly? Uh, Mrs. Connolly? Sure, lovely woman. She was in here only the other... Oh, how do you do, Miss Keener? <laughs> How's my little sweetheart today, huh? We got a special on those fancy Morris, canned chestnuts Morris, with the light syrup that you like. listen to me. Mrs. Yeah. Connolly was in here when? The day before yesterday. Oh, how's her husband, Mr. Dollar? Is he still suffering from those terrible ulcers? No, not anymore. Oh, it's a miracle. Hardly. The point is, she ordered some stuff from you. Yeah, that's right. We delivered it, too, the day before yesterday. What? Uh, what did she uh, order? Well, right here in the office, Mr. Dollar, I'll tell you exactly what went over there, but exactly. Good. You wanted breakfast cereals, madam, right there in the second aisle. Yeah, you're welcome. Now, uh, right here in this pile of bills is the one for whatever the... Ah, here we are. Mrs. Ray Connolly. Good. Hmm? Let me compare it with the list I have. Sure. Uh, Julius! Julius, take care of Mrs. Freeband there by the cheese. Such a time I have with her help. And such an exclusive clientele you have no idea. Well, did you find what you're looking for? Yeah. Everything yeah. checks, except for one thing. The steak you delivered. Steak? That's right. A prime filet. But it's not on the list. We don't sell meat. What? No, of course not. Sadie! 
Sadie, double check the Hathaway order. Somebody made a mistake last week. Wait a minute. That's a good girl. You're sure your delivery boy didn't take a steak to the Conway's? How could he? Oh, fine. No, well, thanks anyway, Morris. Well, no, it's a pleasure anytime. Be seeing you. Yes, sure. Sadie, and did you deliver the room to your daughter, Xavier? So, so do it right now away. we try a different tack. Item two or three, whatever it is, a dime for phone call to Dr. Ransom. I suggested he take whatever steps were necessary to make a complete examination of the stomach of the now-deceased Ray Connolly. Item four, 85 cents for a cab to the office of Continental Insurance. Ray's secretary had obviously been crying. I can't believe it, Mr. Dollar. Yeah, I, I know, Gracie. Now listen, did any of the people who've come here to see him ever threaten him? Threaten him? That's right. Well, lots of people have threatened lots of things when they didn't feel their claims were met properly, but he was the fairest, the most honest man... When, Mr. Dollar? Somebody in here yesterday, maybe? Yes, there was a man in here yesterday who was very angry about something. Oh? I could hear him pounding the desk in there and swearing. Who was he? I don't know. He must have come back with Mr. Conley after lunch, and I didn't see him leave, but look, he lost a cuffling. A cuffling? Let me... XD. What? Gracie, this is the man I'm looking for. Can you find me a policy with this man's name on it? Just from these initials with all the policies on file? Probably a beneficiary whose claim was settled or refused. You say the man, Mr. Dollar. Yeah, Gracie. The man who murdered your boss. Act three of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment. When friends drop in, let your hospitality show you're sociable in the modern manner. Pepsi, you know, is the favorite of the smart and young at heart. Be sociable, look smart, keep up to date with Pepsi. Drink light, refreshing Pepsi. Stay Have you tried a Pepsi lately? And now, Act Three of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account item five, another dime for another call to Dr. Ransom. Yes, the autopsy had been made. And yes, they had found enough ground glass in the stomach of Ray Connolly to kill three men. That's why Ray, with his ulcer condition, had gone so fast. While he was with you, Johnny, uh, the police would like very much to talk to you. Well, certainly they don't think I did it. Well, of course not, at least... Uh... Yeah? Well? Well, after all, you were with him at the time when he ate that filet. Okay, okay, Doc. I'll get in touch with him. Item six, ten cents for another call to Ray's secretary at Continental Insurance. Yes. Yes, Mr. Dollar, I have. Nice going, Grace. What's his name? Xavier Donato. The folder was still at Mr. Conley's desk. Donato. And the address? 13425 Sunset. Sunset. Got it. And listen, the reason he was angry with Mr. Conley... Yeah? He was named as beneficiary of his father's life insurance policy. Yeah? But his father just committed suicide. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Donato couldn't collect. Yes. I mean, no, he couldn't. So... Gracie, you're a doll. 
Item seven, two bucks and a half for a taxi to the address filed on Sunset Avenue. It turned out to be an old ramshackle rooming house in a pretty lousy neighborhood. Sure, look for yourself, but I tell you, he ain't here anymore. When did he leave? Yesterday morning, bag and baggage. There you are, see for yourself. Now, don't tell me he's still living here. Well, I can't say that I blame him. What's that? Have you any idea where he might have gone? If I did, I'd send the cops to get the rent he owes me. The cops will want him for a lot more than your rent, lady. Yeah? What's more than that? Murder. I'd have made another phone call to police headquarters. I talked with Sergeant Jimmy Maxwell in homicide. Only I listened more than I talked. Cufflinks, huh? With the initials XD on them? That's right. What's I want... the idea not telling us before? As if you didn't know it, that's withholding evidence. And in a murder case... Hey, look, that's another thing, Dollar. If you suspected murder, why didn't you call us in instead of having that doctor order the autopsy? You trying to hide something? Are you kidding? Where are you, anyway? We've been coming to city for you. As if you didn't know, you got a little explaining to do hey, down look. here. And listen... Who do those initials XD stand for? Well, if you let me get a word in edgewise, I might tell you. Well? The D stands for Donato. The X for Xavier. Xavier? What kind of a name is that? Xavier, if you want to say it that way. Oh, boy, that's a rare one. You got his address? He just left the place where he was living, so he's probably a thousand miles away. But Xavier? Huh? Of course, and right under my nose. What? Johnny? Maybe I should have told him more, everything I knew. But I didn't want to have to wait for the police or anybody else. Ray had been a friend of mine. And to bring his killer to justice was all I cared about. As for that name, Xavier, of course I'd heard it. Only a few hours before. And for some stupid reason, it had never occurred to me that it began with the letter X. Item nine, a buck and a half for another taxi. This time to the... Yeah, you guessed it. Excuse me, please. Pardon me, will you, please, madam? I gotta tell you, you packed the vegetables on top. Morris! Morris! Come over here. Mr. Dollar! Back so soon Now, listen, when I left you early this morning, just as I was leaving, I heard you call somebody by the name of Xavier. Yeah, yeah, you mean that slowpoke, huh? That dumb, stupid. All right, is he still here? What's his last name? His last name? Yeah, what is it? Well, his last name, it's. Sadie, how many times I gotta tell you when a customer has got a complaint? Well, this one has. Why? No, Xavier. Listen, Mr. Dollar. Xavier. Dollar. Xavier Donato. You uh, looking for me, mister? You're Xavier Donato? Yeah. Uh, what do you want? I just want to show you a couple of cufflinks. Here. Are these yours? Yeah, mine. Then don't try to pull a gun. Me? I got no gun, mister. I found one of these in Ray Connolly's office. You sure? I got mad. I slam bang on the desk at him. I found the other one at his apartment, where you delivered that steak to him. That steak full of ground glass. Where'd you get that steak? Wilson's Prime Market, along the way to his place. Then you put in the glass and took it up to him. Yeah. That was pretty good, huh? Say, uh, you from the cops? You're expecting the cops? I don't know. But you didn't run. You didn't leave town. Sure. Because I'm smart. You leave town, they know you've done it. They chase you, they catch you. Honest, I didn't know it was going to kill him. You know it now. But I had to get even. You know, because he wouldn't give me that insurance because my old man killed himself. So did my grandpa and his old man. Just because they didn't get something they want. You mean they all committed suicide? Sure. Because it was all, you know, off in the head. But not me. You understand? Because I'm smart. Somebody does something against me like that insurance... I get even with him. You understand? I don't go kill myself. I get even with him. And you think they're going to find out 
No. You think they're ever going to catch me? What do you think? Oh. <laughs> you did, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Gee. I guess you're even smarter than I am, mister. Yeah. Come on, Xavier. Prison? I doubt it. Not with a family history like that. But there are institutions for his kind. I'm sure he'll spend the rest of his life in one of them. And maybe by studying his case, the doctors, the psychologists can learn more about helping such people before they go off the deep end. Expense account? Forget it. Ray Conley was my friend. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Our star will return in just a moment. A good college education has a lot to do with your future. Whether you're a student, a parent, a college alumnus, a prospective employer, or just an average citizen, you have a stake in the future health of our colleges. The future security and well-being of our nation depends on them. Now is the time to help by contributing to the college of your choice. Just as our elementary and high schools have become overcrowded, so now our colleges are threatened by the increased school population. Funds must be forthcoming now to expand college facilities and hire more professors. Otherwise, our colleges will be unable to handle the millions of future students seeking entrance. If we are to keep pace with the Russians in scientific developments, if we're to improve our standard of living and maintain our free way of life, we must have greater college facilities and have them now. For more information, write for a free explanatory booklet to Higher Education, Box 36, Times Square Station, New York 36. Now, here is our star to tell you about next week's story. Next week, a pair of twins. And believe me, they bring me a double dose of trouble. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, originates in Hollywood and is written, produced, and directed by Jack Johnstone. Heard in our cast were Virginia Gregg, D.J. Thompson, Jack Edwards, Marvin Miller, Larry Dobkin, Harry Bartell, and Frank Gerstle. This is Dan Coverley speaking. Critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. 
It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Johnny Dollar. This is Harry Branson at Philadelphia Mutual Liability and Casualty Company. Harry, it's been a long time. What's on your mind? John, I have a case for you involving several of our very important clients. Good. Then it ought to pay me a nice big fee. I'm not sure about that, John. Of course, we'll pay your regular expenses and your regular commission. But no extra fee? I don't know. You, huh? Uh, that is to say, it all depends on what you're able to, shall we say, uh, unearth. Something or someone, Harry. What? You said unearth, didn't you? What facts you're able to, to ascertain what I meant. Oh. So what about these very important clients of yours? John, they have disappeared. Oh, well, then maybe unearth is the proper term. What? What have the police got to say about them? You did call in the police, didn't oh, you? Oh, yes, but they gave up years ago. At least years in the case... ago? That's right. At least in the case... Now, wait a minute, Harry. You say they disappeared years ago. Well, some of them... But now, all of a sudden, you expect me to be able to... What did you say the extra fee will be on this case? I told you it It all depends. Bad. Exactly. Yeah, on whether I'm able to literally dig them up for you. You know where they're buried? John, this morbid so-called sense of humor, of Okay, course. Harry, okay. I'll be down to see you. And you might have a good, strong shovel ready and waiting for me. John! Bob Bailey in the exciting adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Now, act one of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Philadelphia Mutual Liability and Casualty Company. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the cask of death matter. Expense account item 11340, train fare and incidentals, Hartford to Philadelphia. I went by train since Harry Branson didn't seem to be in a hurry and I enjoyed a look at the countryside this time of year. It was a little afternoon by the time I reached the office on Walnut Street and sat down to talk with Harry. But I thought I impressed a Old sober-sized Branson hadn't changed a bit since the last time I'd seen him. And he still looked as though he was carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders. However, now that you have finally arrived, suppose I get right to the point and tell you what this is all about. Well, you said on the phone that some of your policyholders have disappeared. Uh, yes, and you must understand this, John. Yeah? In accordance with Pennsylvania law... In a case of a mysterious disappearance, and I'm sure you're familiar with the mysterious disappearance clause as part of all our life insurance contracts. Well, if you mean, did I ever read the fine print on one of your policies, the answer is no. You should sometime. The fact remains that when the insured disappears and fails to return or otherwise be accounted for by the end of seven years, when the company has received no proof the insured is still alive, the company then presumes the insured to be deceased. Do I make myself clear? 
Uh, keep talking, Harry. It simply means that at the end of seven years, the full amount of the insurance is then paid to the beneficiary or beneficiaries, whichever the case may be. So? So, seven years ago, a Mr. Wilbur Davis of Goshenville here in Pennsylvania mysteriously disappeared. Now his beneficiary is demanding payment of the insurance. Naturally. So why don't you pay it? We shall. But in checking through the files, I've suddenly discovered that his was only the first in a long series of mysterious disappearances. There have been a total of eight, all within a relatively small area, and of recently increasing frequency. When was the last one? The fourth of last month, Mr. Charles Moody. Charles Moody. Where? In the little town of Kirkwood, New Jersey. And the police have found no clue as to what might have happened to him? None whatsoever. One in Goshenville, Pennsylvania. One in Kirkwood, New Jersey. Where were the others? Two in other small Jersey towns, two here in Pennsylvania, and two down in Delaware. Hmm. Any, uh... Any relationship among the beneficiaries? None. That is, none that we know of. Why do you ask that? Uh, I just wondered if some one person was killing them off to collect the insurance. No, the beneficiaries are all widely separated individuals, so you can dismiss any possibility of murder. Harry, in a case of this kind, that's the one possibility I never dismiss. Harry's secretary put together a comprehensive list of the people we were concerned with. Their names, addresses, beneficiaries, and so on. In my room at the Bellevue Stratford that evening, I went over it carefully. All of these people had disappeared from their homes in small communities. All of them had been in their 60s, had been widowers or bachelors. As for the beneficiaries, they were scattered about all over the country. Early the next morning, I paid my hotel bill. That's item two, $18 even for the room and a couple of meals... Then spend item three, 50 bucks deposit on a rental car. I drove first to the little town of Kirkwood, New Jersey, from which a Mr. Charles Moody had disappeared just about a month ago. I stopped to make inquiries at the general store. Thank you, Miss Peterson. I'll see you next week again. Now, uh, as you were saying, Mr. Hurley? Yes, Mr. Dollar, I certainly hope Mr. Moody shows up again. You're a fine man. Fine man. Used to come down here at the store for a quiet game of checkers now and then. And uh, the police have no idea where he might have gone or why. Yeah, well, I guess I'm about the only police we have here in Kirkwood. Oh? Of course, I notified the state police. And I presume they're still looking for him. Just, uh, what happened, Mr. Hurley? Just took the bus into Philadelphia one day, and, well, that's the last we heard of him. Do you know anything about the beneficiary of his insurance? Let's see. According to my list... Uh... It's a nephew, Mr. Dollar. Yeah. Charles Moody. Lives out in California. Yeah, Mr. Moody always felt that he was the most deserving of his relatives. Left him everything, huh? Well, the insurance and his money, yes. Well, I know because, well, I'm the only lawyer here in Kirkwood, and I made out a will for him. You say just the money to his nephew? Except for his wine cellar, all his property will go to the town. Wine cellar? Yes, if Mr. Moody doesn't come back or if he's proved to be dead, the wine cellar will go over to a man over in Philadelphia. Had themselves a sort of a, a gourmet club, I guess you'd call it. I see. But now tell me... You know, I kind of wish he'd have willed me that wine cellar. <laughs> oh, you should see the collection he has there from all over the world. Yes. German I... wines and French and Italian. Yes, I'm sure. Swiss, but, Hungarian, uh, Now, Mr. Hurley, champagne. is there anything else you can tell me that might help me to find him? How about his friends? Everybody was Mr. Moody's friend, Mr. Dollar. But as I started to say about those wines he had... So I checked out all of Mr. Moody's friends there in Kirkwood and ended up with no more information than I got from the storekeeper. But you know something? If I had had sense enough to realize it, 
I'd have gotten plenty from him. He had given me a real key to the disappearance, not only of Mr. Moody, but of the seven other people on the list. And what a key. Yeah, to what turned out to be one of the weirdest cases I ever handled. Now, act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar and the Cask of Death Matter. Item five, 4270, traveling expenses, food and lodging for the next two days. I drove my rental car to Pitts Grove on Malaga, New Jersey. Armstrong and Mount Pleasant down in Delaware. Then Hickoryville, Pennsylvania, Goshenville, and the nearby town of Mill May. I contacted not only the local police, such as they were, but dug up the lawyers who'd written wills for the missing men. And by doing so, I learned a strange, intriguing fact. You see, my last contact was there in the village of Mill May with the one lawyer in town. Yes, Mr. Dollar, if my client, Mr. Frederick Burton, fails to return by the end of seven years, your company will have to pay the insurance. As for the rest of his estate... Including uh, a wine cellar? Yes, a very excellent one. Its contents will go to a friend of his who lives in Philadelphia. A Mr. Edward Alden Pulley. Yes, that's right. How did you know? Well, I've been doing a little poking around these past couple of days. You understand, of course, that's only if we receive some definite evidence of Mr. Burton's death. Or if he fails to return before the seven years is up and therefore legally is presumed to be deceased. Do you know anything about this man, Pauline? No, I don't. It seems they had a sort of epicures club. Do you know who the other members of it were? Uh, well, Mr. Burton told me who they are sometime before he disappeared. Uh, if you'll just give me a moment, perhaps I can recall their name. Hey, want to check them against this list of mine? Yeah, if you like. All right, let's see. Mr. Frederick Burton, that's your client. Yes. John L. Wakeman over in Hickoryville. Mm-hmm. Wilbur Davis in Goshenville. That's correct. Harmon Phillips and Ralph Hunter from down in Delaware. That's right. And finally, Charles Moody, Nathan Norwood, and William Harnell over in Jersey. Uh, your list is quite correct, Mr. Dollar, except for one omission. There was another? Uh, Mr. Bradford W. Turner. Do you know where he lives? Yes, in the little town of Alloway here in Pennsylvania. That is, if he hasn't disappeared. Yes, I've... Good heavens. Do you mean to say that all the others... Well, I know, of course, that Mr. Burton did, but... Do you mean to say that all the others on that list have disappeared, too? Yes, sir. And I'm going to find out about this Mr. Turner right now. In the town of Alloway, did you say? Yes, it's about 18 miles north of here. Okay, sir. And I'm very much obliged Uh, to you. Mr. Dollar. Yeah? Do you really think there can be some connection between these disappearances and the fact that all these men have willed their wine collections to this Edward Alden Poley? What do you think? Wait a minute. Had I told him the others all willed their wine collections to Poley? Or had he just come to that conclusion? Or what? Hmm. Anyway, I drove due north to Alloway. The one large, rather nice home belonged to Mr. Bradford W. Turner, the man whose name was not on my list. So I hoped that he was still here in the land of the living. He was, and he turned out to be a very fine gentleman, despite his preoccupation with vintage wine. Oh, Mr. Dollar, our little order of epicures has not been very active since several of the members have well disappeared. But not you or Mr. E.A. Poley. I was just preparing to make the trip over to Philadelphia to pay a visit to Mr. Poley. Oh, Mind telling me why, Mr. Turner? Not at all, sir. Not at all. I happen to have an excellent wine cellar. Yes, I rather guessed that. Oh, but it's nothing compared to that, Mr. Polis. Edward is younger than I, younger than any of us. But his vast labyrinthine cellar is a veritable treasure house of rare and priceless vintage. I see. Now... Even I haven't seen the full extent of it, but... 
Oh, if only I could get hold of some of that ancient rare Amontillado he has so often told us about. Promised you show us so many times. Up until now, I've not had anything worthy to offer him in exchange. Ah, but now I've acquired a bottle of very old and very fine Medoc. And you grab half. So I shall take it to him in the hope. You know, you talk as though this wine collecting were the most important thing in your life. Oh, it is, sir. And with Poli, it's an almost overpowering passion. It is his life. The kind of man who'd kill his own mother for a bottle of wine, huh? That's not the jest you may think it is, Mr. Dollar. Which is why I wonder if this bottle of fine Medoc will be enough. Mr. Turner, you're not taking it over to him. I beg your pardon. I am. Now, look here, Mr. Dollar. I've been awaiting this opportunity for years. Yeah, and you'd probably give just about anything. You are right, sir. I would. Your life? Every one of the old men who disappeared had been a nut on the subject of wine collecting and had provided in his will that his cellar was to go to a Mr. Edward Alden Poley. You know something? When I talked to Poley at his home in the old Germantown section of Philadelphia, I decided he was the biggest nut of all and possibly a dangerous one. It was an old house and a big one. It must have been one of the original Philadelphia mansions. As for Poley himself, well, I'd say he was a man of about 50. He was short and heavy set, and his face... Well, his face reminded me of a bird of prey. Very thin, with a long, aquiline nose. His eyes were far apart and almost beady. In spite of his shortness, he seemed to almost hover over things, including me. As he led me into the library, his eyes kept glancing at the package I carried, and there was a kind of inner glow in them. I can think of only one thing. Madness. Dollar. Dollar, did you say? That's right. Johnny Dollar. I see. Oh? I mean, it's a very unusual name. I, uh, <clears throat> can't uh, help but uh, admire this library, Mr. Foley. Only the best. I must have only the best, Mr. Dollar. Yes, it, it looks so. Nothing, no one must stand in the way of my having the rarest, the finest of everything. Sometimes it takes years, Mr. Dollar, but sooner or later I get what I want. I notice you have a lot of the works of Edgar Allan Poe. The greatest writer who ever lived. I am fortunate to bear the same initials. What? Oh, yeah. Look there. First copies of his works. And look there. The manuscript of one of them. Of the... Well, it, it has to do with a certain wine. Yeah, I see. Which brings us to what you have there. Well, it's a famous old Medoc, uh, Mr. Poli, a uh, de Gras. It's age, the vintage. Let me see. What? Well, sure. Yes, yes. Look at it. Well, I only brought it here for your opinion. Huh? Oh, but I must have this. I must have. I'm afraid that's impossible. Oh. We shall see. Perhaps we'll make an exchange. I have in my vaults an old, a rare, a priceless Amontillado. Uh, come, Mr. Dollar. The cask of Amontillado, huh? Eh? What was that? Nothing, sir. Lead the way. 
He did. Yeah, he sure did. Through a hidden door behind a panel in the wall. Instead of using a flashlight, he took along a sort of torch, a flambeau, I think you call it, that gave off an evil, oily smell that stained the passageway with smoke. He led me down a long, winding staircase between the walls. Then finally we came to the vast wine vaults deep underground. This was really something out of Edgar Allan Poe. It was cool and damp with great drops of water slipping down the old stone walls. On one of them was a motto. Nemo me impune lacessit. I'm afraid my Latin is a little rusty. No one dare seek to vest me with impunity. I, uh, yeah. But uh, now the Amontillado... A little further. Are you a mason? A mason? A little joke, Mr. Dollar. You see, I am. He pulled a small trowel out of the inner pocket of his coat and laughed <laughs> strangely. Sure. The cask of Amontillado. Just like in the story by Edgar Allan Poe. The dark, damp wine vaults, that motto on the wall, the trowel. And this madman was living the park. No wonder his friends had disappeared. Because each of them had had some priceless wine that he wouldn't part with. That is, until... The next vault, Mr. Dollar. A large crypt with niches in the walls. Some of them blocked in, others empty. Waiting. There I'll introduce you to my friends who are gathered there. Your friends? Of the order of Epicures. They, too, have brought me wines for my collection. Davis, Norwood, Arnell, Hunter, Phillips, Wakeman, Frederick Burton. Those names. Even my old friend, Charles Moody. You killed them, didn't you? Killed them? You brought them down here. Let me see the bottle of Degras. You promised to show them the cask of Amontillado. Yes. Then buried them here in one of these crypts. Yes. But, Mr. Dollar... You must not keep our friends waiting. Yeah. There's the mortar and the bricks. And the amontillado in the niche behind you. The mortar box. A hole for mixing in that shovel. Yes, the shovel. And with it, you'll join my friends. This isn't the wicked, this story. men who disappeared. Yeah, they were all buried behind the bricks and mortar that walled up eight of the niches in that deep underground vault. Funny, I completely forgot to look to see if there was a cask of Amontillado in that cellar. Edward Alden Poli, when the courts get through with his case, I'm sure he'll be committed to an institution for the rest of his life. Yeah, I told you in the beginning, this was the weirdest case I ever tackled. Expense account total, including incidentals, and the trip back to Hartford, 10120. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Now, here's our star to tell you about next week's story. Next week, I run into a girl who is fabulously rich, and because of it, fabulously poor. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, originates in Hollywood and is written, produced, and directed by Jack Johnstone. Heard in our cast were Harry Bartell, Forrest Lewis, Bartlett Robinson, Farley Bear, and Marvin Miller. 
Be sure to join us next week, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. This is Dan Coverly speaking. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.